0: Okay, Boker Tov, and good morning. Great to be back together again, and so glad that we were delayed because of a bris. We should continue to have simchas in the community, and wonderful to have to reschedule to share good news and a good thing. I want to thank our generous sponsors, our Emuna Series sponsors for the year, Dr. Zavi and Bella Morgan, in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbin and in memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanza. This morning, Shear is also sponsored anonymously. I don't know who it's from. With tremendous gratitude to Hashem on their recent marriage, and thank you to Rabbi Goldberg for his kind words and this inspiring shir. I don't know which kind words, but you're welcome. <laughs> and by me, and Jeffrey, go grab a continued Rafua Shlema for Ephraim Yechiel ben Atarat Zipporah. Should have a complete, speedy, painless, and a full Rafua Shlema Amir Teshem. Okay, we are continuing where we left off. First of all, did everyone do their homework from last week? Do you remember what your homework was? Your homework was first bracha of the day to concentrate. I will admit, I struggled with the homework. I forgot on a few days to specifically have intent Kavana on that first bracha of the day. But Baruch Hashem, this morning I remembered, and we are beginning the production on our disposable coffee cups that will be printed with a reminder powered by Hashem that we should make a bracha uh, on that first cup, every cup of that day, and the significance of um, remembering Hashem. How do we get into this? Because we're learning this piece by Revolvo, who reminded us last week, we have an obligation to make hundred brachas a day. Tava antidote, his answer to the plague the Jewish people was going through, was to make no less than 100 brachas a day. So Revolva suggested, even though it's difficult to be mindful, it's difficult to be fully present and remember all 100 brachas a day, 10 brachas we can do, 10 you could do. I said 10, that's very ambitious. One bracha we can do. Let's start off with one bracha a day. And let it be that first bracha of the day. If the first bracha of the day, we are mindful of the first bracha of the day, we're paying attention and we're thinking, then we will set ourselves on the path for remembering Hashem throughout the day. The biggest challenge, I think for most people, is not believing that there is a God or believing that He's involved and interacts in our life. Even though I quoted last Shabbos in another context, a Pew study from right before Corona said that while 80% of Americans believe in God, 56% believe in the God of the Bible, and fewer than 50% believe that God has anything to do with their lives. That means to say that the majority of people who believe in God believe that there's a creator, there's a first cause, there's a designer, and he moved on. He finished the project and he had other things to tend to. And he's not involved in the petty, minutiae details of our life. If my cup of coffee's hot or cold, if I spill it on myself, or if I don't, if I stuck in traffic or make the flight, God is doing big things big things in the universe, in the cosmos. He's creating worlds. He is maneuvering and manipulating the whole world. He's got a virus and a pandemic that he is deciding to control. My life, my little life, what happens in my life? Most Americans, most Americans don't believe God is involved in their life. We, of course, do. Not only do we believe, we know. It's not a leap of faith and it's not a belief, but it's a knowledge. Torah tells us that we can know we can know as much as we know anything else. We've talked about this also. What are we up to? We're over 200 Amunashirim. So way back towards the beginning, we talked about evidence for God's existence. How do we know? We know with the same level of knowledge that we know anything else. Many of you are enjoying Dunkin'. What's Duncan's slogan? Powered by Dunkin' something? What's? Nobody here knows. <laughs> <laughs> the only time you drink Dunkin' Donuts is when we sponsor it. Okay. America runs on Duncan. Shkoyach, thank you. America runs on Duncan. So America runs on Duncan. Baruchatov Aduna Eloheinu Melech Olam Sha'kol Cheese? No, no, no. Let's not go crazy with the cheesecake, A steak. Maybe, but cheesecake, eh? It's not worth it. Cape Cod potato chips, maybe. Yeah, I like Oh yeah, yeah. They sent home from the chopped competition the Cape Cod, the leftover Cape Cod for me. <laughs> Brought kryptonite right into the house. The poison right in front of me. And I, I passed somewhat, I failed somewhat too, but Baruch Hashem. Anyway, what were we talking about? Duncan, Duncan runs on America runs on Duncan. Why do we get into that? Uh, bracha every day. What were we talking about? Oh, remembering that God exists. So, Kodesh Baruch is involved in every detail of a life. That's what we're talking about. We don't have to take a leap of faith. That's what I started to say. How do you know in the coffee that's provided for you in the back of the room in this box? How do you know there's no poison, there's no cyanide, there's nothing contaminated? Everyone's putting down their cup right now. How do you know? How do you know? The answer is that you don't have absolute knowledge. What do you have? You have overwhelming evidence. Dunkin' Donuts would be shut down if in fact it was not vigilant in being careful that the coffee was safe. Boca Raton synagogue would be shut down if we were not careful and we provided you with a coffee that was unsafe. Is that absolute knowledge? It's overwhelming evidence. When you cross the street, how do you know you don't have a blind spot? How do you know there's not a car racing around the corner? How do you know your judgment is not impaired or you're not having uh, illusions? The answer is you don't, but you have overwhelming evidence that you're mentally stable and that you're healthy and that empirically your experience has taught you if you look both ways, it's safe to cross. And the same is true with countless other examples that we do not have an absolute knowledge of anything in our lives, anything. There's nothing that we know with certainty. We accumulate and we amass as much evidence as we can. We weigh it. And when we have overwhelming evidence in a certain direction, we make decisions based on that evidence. And what the Torah is asserting, what the Torah tells us is, there is no less evidence for God's existence. And that's why, saladas. you've been shown not to believe, you've been shown to know. Don't take a leap of faith, that's other religions. We don't have to leap anywhere. You could stay put. You don't have to jump off the ground. You don't have to take any leap. You can know, know, examine the evidence, consider all the so-called proofs for God's existence. And when you examine and you collect all the evidence, you will come to the conclusion like in other areas of our life, and we can know, we can know. So what happens? What's the problem? Why did I forget to have Kavana for my opening bracha on my opening cup of coffee most of the morning since last week? I'm an honest teacher, so I began by telling you, I forgot to do the homework most of the days. Why? If you ask me, do I believe? I don't believe. I know there's a Bon shalom. I know there's a God. I love Him. I'm invested in communicating, spending time with Him and being devoted to Him. He loves me. I am filled and overwhelmed with gratitude for feeling and sensing the love He has for me. So why couldn't I remember to make a brach on the cup of coffee? Because what happens? We forget. He's invisible, we don't hear Him, and life gets in the way. And that's why we have the 100 brachas a day. Have kavanah for 10, says Revolba. Says Goldberg, try for the first one. Try for one. Try for one. So that's why we're gonna produce these cups of coffee. It's not gonna say Dunkin, disposable cups. We're gonna put some good slogan that will remind us, powered by the Ribbon Shalom. the Jews run on God. I don't know, whatever, we'll have to come up with a good slogan. And, uh, and recognize and start our day by remembering that he is intimately involved. In other words, he's not just aware of what's going on in our lives. It's not just he has expectations and holds us accountable for what's going on in our lives. He is intimately invested in and interceding on behalf of our lives. Those who are blessed to be parents, those who want to, should experience that blessing and know it. We want to know what's going on in our kids' lives. We're desperate. As a parent, it's not like, don't bother me, why do you keep telling me? Every time the WhatsApp group lights up with pictures of where they are now and how they're spending money on your credit card right now. Okay, the credit card's gotta you know, you gotta deal with that. But you're overjoyed. Like you can never get enough pictures of your grandchildren. I, I don't care if you run right out of memory, you run to the store and buy more memory, get a new phone. You could never get enough information of what's going on in your children and your grandchildren's life. Hashem says, you think I'm not invested, I don't wanna know about your life? Send me pictures. Fill me in, talk to me, ask me for help, thank me afterwards, tell me what you're frustrated or upset at me that didn't go right. Just stay in touch with me, just connect with me. He's involved in our life and he wants us to involve ourselves with him or invite him to be involved in our life. And that's what these hundred times a day, to stop and to think and to remember and to make that bracha. Speaking of remembering, what page are we up to? Does anyone remember? Oh, I made a little note, look at that. Baruch Hashem, I made a little note. Hinei, we're up to Vav. Pei Dalad, page Pay Dalad. We are learning the Sefer that came out, teachings of Revobah called He'aros. And we are up to page Pay Dalad, 84, and Os Vav, paragraph 6. Let's learn about this in practice. So Revobah developed the idea last time, if you recall, that we need to eat in order to live. Our life is not sustained. You can't breathe. Your heart won't beat. You cannot live if you don't eat. Nemuk, there are people who starve to death. When I deal with end of life issues, which tragically come up way too often, that's often the most popular question. Is it end of life? Do we have to provide oxygen? Do we need to put in a feeding tube? Do we intubate? Do we have to put in a peg? Do we have to. Are you allowed to? And halacha is complicated, and I want to simplify it right now, other than to say that in a general sense, halacha says we don't have to take heroic measures, extra measures. You do not have to continue a dialysis or pressers for blood pressure or antibiotics for infection, but to withhold oxygen and nourishment means that the person will not die from illness. They'll die from starvation or from suffocation. So if illness takes their life that's Hashem, but if suffocation or starvation takes their life that could be on us. Each case is different and again every case needs its own question. My point only is we know that if we don't eat we will die. We need to eat to live, which means that inherent within all food that extends and gives and sustains life is that life force, is that life energy. Who is the source of all life force? Who is the source of all energy? It's the Almighty, it's Hashem. So where can He be found? He can be found in every breath of air I take in my lungs. Ask those at the early stages of Corona who were struggling. Yesterday I interviewed somebody for a series who was still recovering from Corona from a few weeks ago. He kept coughing, he was struggling. Corona was a respiratory illness. People struggled. Nishama and neshima. Kol ha neshama tehalaka, kol ha With every breath, with every part of our soul, we thank Hashem. Because where can you find Hashem in every breath? It happens naturally, we don't think about the breath, our body responds and knows how to do it automatically, but every breath that we successfully take, in which the lungs do what they're supposed to do, what comes in is supposed to come in, what goes out is supposed to go out, and we don't cough or choke, is a miracle. That's God. He is sustaining us through our breath, and He is sustaining us through our food. So therefore says Revolba, if you want contact with divine, if you want to connect with Hashem, then when you take a bite of food, you are actually absorbing, you are imbibing godliness that food will sustain your life, it is the life force, the life energy, God is in it. And the bracha we make before it reminds us of that. So this isn't just an ordinary cup of coffee, It's not just a cup of water, it's not just a potato chip, it's not just a piece of a salad, but when you make that bracha preceding it, when you introduce it with the bracha, what you're saying is, Hashem, I'm about to make contact with you. Hashem, I'm about to spend a moment with you. Hashem, I'm about to imbibe you, absorb you. I'm about to taste what it is to have a, a life with you. And the truth is, in any area of life that we want to form new habits, we have to persevere. We have to repeat. We have to be committed and devoted in order to make it an ongoing and consistent reality. Our goal is to actually be able to experience Tamu uru. I don't remember if I mentioned it in the Amunashir, I mentioned recently in a Shabbos drasha. my Bobby Allah Shalom, Ruth Aboff, my grandmother, her favorite Pasuk in Tanakh, was Tamu Uru'u Kitov Hashem. In the hospital at the end of her life, she told her children and grandchildren, don't ever forget Tamu Uru'u, just taste and you will see Kitov Hashem. If you don't think God is good, it's because you haven't given a taste. You haven't taken a taste. Take a taste of a life with God, take a taste of a life with Amunah, Live with Hashem for a period of time. Talk to Him and be grateful to Him and feel His presence in your life. Feel His support and His embrace. Know that He's by your side. Taste it, taste what it's like, and you will realize, Kitov Hashem. There is no other way. I mentioned, did I mention the Unashir? I mentioned the Shabbos morning, we had been on a tour of the Coke factory in Atlanta several years ago, and the history of Coke, which I won't repeat now, the entire thing, but basically, uh, it was sold first in a pharmacy and it was a syrup that had to be mixed with water and nobody bought it. Did very little sales the entire first year. It cost more to produce the syrup than they did in sales in the revenue of that year. And then they had a Einfall. He had a great idea. You know what? So confident in the winning formula of Coca-Cola, still the secret winning formula of Coca-Cola, which is a whole separate topic. How does the OU give it kosher How do you supervise and give kosher supervision to a company that has a formula that's secret and won't tell you. So there was actually a tshuva in Hebrew written uh, a century ago when Coca-Cola formula first began. We studied it one year on Pesach, because how did they know if there was chametz? What Coca-Cola does, this is the tangent of a tangent of a tangent, so stick with me and somebody get us back on the highway afterwards. But do you know what Coca-Cola does? To the best of my knowledge, if there are 10 ingredients of Coke, they actually store 15 ingredients in the factory and they don't let the mashkiach know which ones are the ones that are really going in and at what proportion. That's how you can know everything going in is kosher, but you don't really know what the formula is. You don't really know what the formula is. So we had an Einfal, the inventor of coke, who was losing money in that first year, said, You know what? I'm so confident that we have the winning formula. I'm so confident if people only tasted it, they would see how good it is. Everyone gets a first taste for free. Now Costco does that. Everybody gives a ter- first taste for free, right? Every bend you turn in Costco, there's somebody, I don't know, are doing that during Corona? I'm very makbid, I haven't gone shopping during Corona. I'm not ready to go back yet, no? Ever, I'm very makbid for life. So, so if a taste, take a taste, and then you're gonna buy the product, it's so good. So David Amalek says, take a taste. Tamu and Tava says, I know with certainty Kitov Hashem. You're going to find that Hashem is great. So that's what Revolba says. So Revolba says, literally, take a taste. Take a taste, make a sheah Hashem. Everything comes from you. You're in this coffee, the coffee bean, the grinding, the packaging, the flavor, the splendor, the stirring, the right warmth, my hands, my, my soul, it's nourishing me, it's waking me up, the caffeine. Hashem, when I put this in my system, I'm putting you in my system. I'm making contact with the divine. I'm speaking, I'm, I'm making a, a connection with you, Hashem, through that cup of coffee. Chazal Omer B'medrash, Chazal say, tamar ukitov Hashem, Kaddish Baruch Hu, a mekayim Kola Mitzvos <laughs> shenasati Hashem says, I want you to fulfill all the mitzvahs in the Torah. Fulfill them all. Have you eaten? I made a beautiful world for you. It's got an incredible shmorg. There are incredible opportunities out there. I made an amazing, amazing, beautiful menu. Have you eaten from the fruit of my tree? Have you tried the vegetables from the ground? All I ask you, all you have to do to pay, is make a bracha. In other words, here's Publix, here's the Grove, here's Aroma, here's Winn-Dixie. Come in and take whatever you want. The way that you pay, the cash register is, just say thank you. Acknowledge and reference where it comes from. And it's all yours, says God. When our children were young, we tried to remind them to make a bracha by saying, you can't steal, don't forget, you can't. we can't steal that from Hashem, it's His. You gotta see. Make a bracha is how we ask for permission, that's how we buy it, that's how we say thank you. You gotta say thank you. You can't walk out of the store taking something without paying, and you can't take something from God's world without paying. So what do we think? such hot shots, pay God. I paid the cashier at Publix. What are you talking about? I have another good tangent story, but I, we took too many, too many detours so far today. But you got to, what do you mean? I already paid at Publix, I paid at, at Grove. What do I have to pay God? The answer is, but did the Grove pay? Where'd they get it from? Where, where does it originally come from? Amishu Megadlam. Who was the one who invented it? Who was the one who created it? And who was the one who allowed it to grow in a healthy way? So that's what the Medrash on the Yaakut Shimon, he says on this Pasuk of David Amelach, just taste and you will see God is good. And how do you taste? When are you entitled to taste? What is the payment of the currency? You don't Venmo or Zell God. All you have to do is say Shachol All you have to do is make a bracha. And through that bracha, that is the payment. So the Zezra Anan says the following. If a person makes a bracha, it's as if they fulfilled all the mitzvahs. Now, that does not mean you're off the hook. You don't just make a shahakal, God, I'm done for the day. Now I can have a cheeseburger. I don't have to daven mincha. I'm good to go. I made my bracha. But rather, it means it's equal to. It means included within it is as if all the mitzvahs of the day. We learn from here a critically important lesson. It means that there are 613 different trajectories or steps or paths to connecting to God. And I would have to take 613 different journeys in order to experience them all. But if I make one bracha, I've included them all. It's as if I've taken every journey there is. Why? Because the bracha is the way to toe aim. It's the way to taste God. You want to taste, you want to preview, you want to experience, you want to touch the divine, Vitoim God, taste God. And how? By making a bracha, by making a bracha. He says for the life of us, we cannot begin, we cannot begin to appreciate what is the inestimable value of one bracha. Last week I shared with you the story from the time of Yeshua Leib Diskin, the woman whose colostomy or bag was changed once a day, and it was worth living. It was worth fighting for life. It was worth continuity. It was worth suffering the rest of the day for the one moment she was eligible to make a bracha because she said a bracha? One moment a day, one chance a day, I could connect myself. I could connect heaven and earth. One moment a day, I could bring Hashem down here. I could say thank you for all that I have, all that I am. One moment a day, I could be Him. I could taste the life of God. It's all worth it for that. So the value of one bracha, it changes and moves the cosmos. We don't understand its impact on us and on our family. One bracha, one bracha, one bracha in a relationship, in a relationship. You could have a person who's neglected the relationship, abused the relationship, disappointed the relationship, but in one shot, there are people who redeem themselves in one moment. In that one moment that they said, please or thank you, in the one moment they made that bid for connection, in the one moment they humbly submitted and conceded to the nature of that relationship and appreciation for it, can change the entire relationship. The value of saying the right thing in the right moment, the right time, in the right way to the right person, it can change and move worlds. It moves worlds. We know that in the world of diplomacy, world wars began because the wrong thing was said or were avoided because the right thing was said. What a bracha can do, the value of a bracha and the value of an amen, which we've talked about, maybe we'll talk about more. The whole notion of amen, we know groups of women, groups of people gather to make brachas out loud, answer amen to one another because of the value of what that does, how it changes the cosmos, how it changes the entire world. Kirva atsuma kazos libore olam, return the page to Pehei. Afilo You could ignore God, neglect God, disappoint God all day long. You're not allowed to, we're accountable for it. We shouldn't be proud of it, we got to work on it. But with one bracha, we can repair that damage. With one bracha. You have a child who has dick the entire day. You have a child who ignored what you asked them to do the whole day. You have a child who is rude and obnoxious the whole day. And then one moment after dinner, they come up and they say, I really want to thank you, dinner was delicious. Thank you for the work you put into it. They snuggle in your arm and they say thank you for whatever it is, or they just, a gesture of affection even if there's no words to it. Are you still thinking about their chutzpah, their disobedience, no, you're just grateful. They have repaired and they've changed. Now if they go back to being chutzpideki, you gotta take away their phone. But if, in that one sentence, in that one gesture of affection, they've won you over. So the Rebun HaShem, that's the power, says Revo, but one bracha, one shahakol. Maybe we didn't have our best day. Spoke lashanar. didn't really daven, didn't daven with a lot of kavanah, didn't do what we were supposed to, meant to, wanted to, could have done. But we then decided one bracha, Hashem, I'm coming back to you. And, and by the way, how long is this conversation with God? as we spoke about last week. A millisecond, one second, three at most. I don't know anyone who takes more than three seconds to make a shahakal. How long is that conversation? We're not exactly significantly interrupting our life. This is not a major gift we're giving. And yet, look at the inestimable impact it can have. And the whole food tastes different. The food tastes different. If the food is an atheist agnostic food, Is it the experience of eating as an atheist or agnostic? Or are you eating as a believer? Not a believer because we said you don't need faith. Are you eating as a knower? Are you eating as somebody who knows there's a God and who feels His presence and who finds Him in that food? Finds Hashem in that food. He's in the food that we eat. It sustains us. It's our life force. It's our life source. It energizes us. And that's Him, hidden, cloaked within the food. Now our mission is to peel back those layers to reveal Him, to find Him and make contact with Him in that food. Now, what food is He in? He's never in kale, but He's in certain foods. He's in certain foods. Doesn't matter. You know, somebody sent me a Shailah on Friday, not from Boca. No one who lives in Boca, nobody you know. They sent me a shaila They forwarded me an article and they wanted to know, are you allowed to massage kale on Shabbos? I didn't, I didn't know what that was. I was afraid to open the article, frankly. But apparently there's something you massage the lettuce that brings out something in the lettuce. You're supposed to massage kale. It softens it? it? There's nothing you can do to it that will make it taste good. You can massage it from Heintel Morgan. It's not gonna help. Not gonna help. Unless you douse it with the sugary salad dressing that'll make it uh, edible. Anyway, I won't tell you what I wrote back to the Shaila. Are you allowed to massage kale on Shabbos? It was a man who wrote it to me. So the first thing I said is, you've got to turn in your man card, first of all, and then we could talk. You have hereby been suspended just for asking this question. And then we could figure out the answer together in Hilchel Shabbos. So I don't know if Hashem is in the kale or not, but whatever we're put, although his name, Kale, maybe, maybe, maybe Davka, maybe he's in there. So, but, but it's a totally different mentality and attitude towards eating. And I don't want to fixate on the eating. Again, we gave a sheer online a few months ago in Elul about the Jewish hashkafa of eating, but it's true about breathing. There's a reason. You know, we're, we're living in a time where our breathing is so shallow. There are countless articles and research that shows that many of the illnesses and much of what we're suffering today is because we're always running and doing and active, and we don't stop to breathe deeply. And we're not getting the oxygenation we need, respiratory, we're not living the, our best selves. Our breathing is very shallow. Part of why I saw an article that said, you know why it's shallow? Because in order to really take in a deep breath, you need to lift your head up. And we all the time are like this. And there's actually studies that show that our head is down facing our little device all day long. Watching, typing, listening, talking. We're looking down that we're not taking in the oxygen that we need. So it's not a coincidence. Neshama and neshima, breath and soul are the same word. We restore our soul when we take deep breaths. So to set that alarm, maybe that'll be your homework. Not yet. We didn't really complete the homework from last week, so we have a repeat of that homework. Kavana on the opening bracha of the day. We'll add homework as we go about putting a timer on our phone to stop and take breath. There are apps. You don't need me or a timer for this. This I know there are many apps for this that remind you to stop and breathe. Could you believe it? In 2021, we need apps to remind us to stop and breathe. The more sophisticated and the more advanced we become, the more steps we take backwards and the more pathetic we become. It used to be a time the shepherd was out in the field and they didn't stop breathing a little. His boat was taking in. The farmer was out in the field, the hunter. The per- it used to be a time that life was slow. A person was by the river doing the laundry and they were breathing, looking around, taking it in, lost in their thoughts. And we think we've made such progress, but we've regressed that we no longer have time to think and we no longer remember to breathe. And as much as we've progressed by making all kinds of technological breakthrough that makes life easier, it needs to be accompanied by an app that reminds us to breathe. That's how pathetic we have become. We forgot to breathe. Don't forget to breathe. Imagine, imagine growing up, your mother, your father sent you to school. Listen, don't forget to breathe today. Everything else you have to do, going to work, don't forget to breathe today. We have apps, we pay to download apps to remind us to breathe. But we do, we need to. Neshama and Neshima. So when we breathe, we are absorbing Hashem into our lungs. When we eat, we are tasting God in our life. These are contact points we have with the divine throughout our day. What's missing or what we need to bring to the table is the mindfulness to do it, to remember. And when we do, it changes our entire life. It changes our life. It'll bring peace and serenity and happiness and joy. It'll take away anxiety and worry and fear. He's right by our side. I was all anxious and I was worried and I was afraid. I just made a bracha. Oh yeah, I forgot he exists. And if he exists, then I have nothing to worry about. So here's the Amunah story for the week. I always encourage our listeners live or who are uh, listening virtually to share Amuna stories because it gives me chizik and I, I hope it does you as well. So someone sent this in. And when you do, let me know whether I should say your name or not because I never know. Since my father passed away, writes this person, Achaf Elul, my sister and I have been listening to your living with Emunah Shir instead of the radio. This morning on my way to work, the Shir was about how nothing is coincidence and everything's from Hashem, which by the way is all 200 Shirim so far. While we were sitting, my sister noticed I wear an old ring we had both gotten from Hadaya in Israel. Did I say that right? That says, that this too shall pass. She went to look for hers after Shiva, but could not find it anywhere. She was going to order a new one online with a special quote to remember our father. That day, she randomly met someone she didn't know before who was going to Israel for Yontif and asked them if they could pick up the special ring for her. They said yes. And it turned out to be someone who works in the same place as I do. Baruch Hashem, I was able to get the ring from them today. This story is truly what you spoke about. Every piece of the puzzle had to fit just right. It can only be from Hashem that this couple was sent to do this special task for my sister to give her comfort. So again, if you live your life with your eyes open, then you realize it can either be you know, written off as, oh, look at that coincidence. I just remembered I want the ring. Someone was going to Israel at exactly the right time who I didn't know before, but shared with me they're going to Israel. Turns out they work with my sister and can give the ring to her, will give it to me. Oh, what a string of coincidence. Cute. Or you could say, I was suffering and struggling. I was going through loss. I was looking for comfort in the message that would be on that ring. So Hashem said, here's a messenger. I'm sending you an angel. Here's UPS, FedEx. They're going to Israel, they'll bring it back. Don't worry, you won't have to struggle. How you'll find it, how it will get delivered. They work with your sister who will bring it right to you. So you could interpret or read everything going on in our lives as a string of random coincidences, or you could say, Hashem, you've been sending me angels. You're orchestrating and curating my whole life. Everything's happening the way it's meant to. Now, there are moments like the people who send me the Amuna stories, where you live afterwards and you could say, wow, I see exactly how that worked out right, I needed it too, otherwise, this never would have happened. But most of our life, we don't have that luxury, we don't have that privilege. We live life forward, even though we can only understand it backwards, and parts of life we will never understand. Maybe in the next world, in the Olama MS, we will. Until then, it will remain a mystery. But we should be searching, we should be looking, we should be wanting to understand because when we do, when it makes sense, when we can uncover and decipher it, then we feel his presence. Shabaka Magazine had uh, Geberer, the great historian, in his article a couple of weeks ago, talked about Rabbi Laser Silver, Malcolm Morris's uh, grandfather. How Rabbi Laser Silver, great Rob from Cincinnati in America, he was in Europe and he was trying to send a message it was really it was silver, right? He was trying to send a message to his family that he was okay, but he knew that all the telegrams were being monitored. So he took out an ad in a Jewish newspaper and he embedded a cryptic message that when you read the ad, you're like, this makes no sense whatsoever. I have no idea what's going on. But his family were able to decipher and read between the lines and understand that he was telling them that he's okay, that he's okay. It's a fascinating story, fascinating story. His brilliance and their capacity to understand and decipher it and his intuition and, and entrepreneurship to use that, that mechanism to deliver the message. But it got me thinking that Hashem is embedding messages to us all the time. And the question is, do we take a moment to decipher? Or are we living at such a fast pace and such a fast speed and surrounded by so much noise, right? What, what's, what's not included in this email was that really, Hashem was doing things for this person all the time but they used to listen to the radio. There's nothing wrong with the radio. I like music, Yecheveh's got the best playlist around. Nothing wrong with listening to the radio, listening to great music. I like music as much as the next person. But sometimes you have to shut down the noise and listen to the amuna to remind us to look for and decipher the message in life. Because had, had that been the radio playing, maybe the ring story would have just been written off as ah, what a dink. Instead of, wow, Hashem was winking at me. Hashem sent angels to orchestrate comforting me. So there's so much noise and we're moving at such a fast, fast pace. We have to stop and remember to breathe. Stop and remember to make a bracha and to have Kavana mindfulness for one moment. For one moment. You walked out of a busy meeting and you had to go to the bathroom and you came out of the bath. The whole meeting, one hour, two hour, three hour, it's a whole meeting. You're negotiating and you're figuring something out in business or on behalf of the community or on behalf of your child or in life and we can forget God is part of that conversation. We forget. We forget that we are to revolve ourselves around His values and His vision, and what He wants for us. We forget that He's a stakeholder in what's happening. We forget to stop and consider what will give Nachas Ruach to Him. What does He want? What is the Ratzon Hashem? We forget, but we stop to go to the restroom. We come out, and we make an Ashi Yatzar. So if we do it as a Tefillah we're saying Ashi Yatzar, as we walk back into the room, then it does nothing. But if we stop for that moment, how long does it take to say Ashi Yatzar? God, You created the whole world in Your image, and it's a miracle that it exists and we wouldn't be here without you. Everything needs to function just right. And you made the most incredible factory called the human body. You're amazing. Now you go back into the meeting, you're like, whoa, I was wondering where's God and how this will work out. And I was panicking and I was anxious and I was envious. But that Asher just put me back on track. That Asher just got me navigating right back on the road. So those 100 brachas a day, and whether it's the shahakal and the cup of coffee, or whether it's even the bracha on kale, or whether it's an Asher yotzer, I have to go into the bathroom, or whether it is a on a wonderful fragrance that bracha because it's so easy to lose track there is so much noise and there's so much wind that is knocking us off course that bracha that bracha is the anchor it's the navigation tool it's the GPS system the bracha brings us back to living with him and when we live with him we can decipher the code then we'll see that he's all over our life. We'll see that He's all over this world. We'll see that He's everywhere. We just have to acquire that relationship with Him. We have that invitation and we have that opportunity. And then Revoba has the following question, which we're not going to continue. Believe it or not, we are already out of time, but I'm posing it as the question for next week. Maybe there'll be a baby born today, and then we won't have to start late next week. If not, we're back to 8.45 next week. So barring any extraordinary circumstance, we're back to 8.45 next week. But we'll just read his question for you to contemplate and think about. Is God so egotistical? Is God so arrogant that He needs man to be grateful to Him? Why does God need our prayers? Why does God care so much? Is God so, such an egomaniac? Why does God need our prayers? We'll pick up with that Amir Tz next week. Until then, stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy. Join us tonight for Behind the bima with Professor Ruth Wise. Have a fantastic, fantastic day.